Welcome to Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Sounds familiar. I'm Stephanie, and morality sucks. <laughs> I'm Justin, and I always forget my chemistry book, and my math book, and my English book, and my, let's see, my French book, and, well, who needs books anyway? I don't need books. I always forget all my books. I mean, it doesn't really matter if you have your books or not. Hey, is that Devin Graham? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love cinema. Uh... <laughs> that it goes on forever. <laughs> It really does. It's I like just... it's like the car missed its cue and she was just ad <laughs> She started talking, her like eyes wandered over to the director and he was like just keep going. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> my PE book and my fencing book and my theater book and my choir book. Oh, give me a fencing book. That'd be great. I don't know. <laughs> no way that high school is cool enough to have fencing. I mean maybe it maybe it is. It doesn't seem like that cool of a town. Um, yes, so, so we are missing a voice tonight, um, not even Caleb's ghost is on the podcast this time. I put that Ouija board in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) We are not touching that shit anymore, enough priests have died for it. Um, uh, yeah, Caleb is not able to be here tonight, um, and nor does he want to be, because we are talking about, um, horror movies tonight, uh, we are continuing Morbid May. (laughs) Um, yeah, (laughs) we are continuing Morbid May. Um, in particular this week, we are doing, uh, slashers. Um, so that's, that's kind of a new one for me. Never was much of a slasher kind of person. What, what, what about you, Justin? What's, what do you think about this genre? I, I think they can be fun. Um, like you sit around with your friends kind of half watching it, um, making fun of it then it's kind of fun um there are people uh who base their entire personality uh, around this genre uh in which i do not judge you do what you want follow your bliss i'm just saying i don't completely understand (laughs) what what do you think it what do you think it is about this particular subgenre that attracts more of a cult following than maybe certain other just as common subgenres of horror I think these are like they're basically the they're the blockbusters of the of the horror world. Hmm. They're these big often goofy uh spectacles um that really if someone wants to be scared and not have to think too much in the same way that I go see a Godzilla movie because I want to see monsters fight and not think too much. Uh, yeah uh, this is what they go to um i think that's a good point i mean there's something about a slasher in particular or or like just like the concept of being like hunted by a killer like specifically as the horror that is pretty easy to i don't know if relate to is the right word but that it's like yeah it it, it elicits a very visceral reaction um you know, not that other types of horror don't. Obviously, horror is very much about eliciting visceral reactions, but like, 
the ones we talked about last week, for instance, those are maybe a little more cerebral. Um, Whereas, like, (laughs) it's not that hard to understand that if, like, even if it's, like, a crazy dream sequence, if a guy with a knife is chasing you, like, you're going to be a little freaked out by that. So, yeah, I I think that's actually a really good point. Um, Yeah, I, I think, like... I have not seen a whole lot of movies in this subgenre. Um, I mean, I call myself a horror fan. I, 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 I mean, I am a horror fan. I enjoy most types of horror, um, at least in small doses. I think, generally speaking, the stuff that I'm really a fan of is more along the lines of supernatural, religious horror, that kind of thing. Um, like haunting movies, like we'll be talking about next week. I always like stuff like that with like ghosts and demons. Um, uh, horror that hits a little closer to home, like stuff that could actually really happen. I don't always enjoy as much because <laughs> on, on, at best, it's a little boring to me because I'm like, oh, well, this is just a guy with a knife. Uh, at worst, <laughs> it really scares me because those kind of people like could potentially quote unquote exist. Um, it's like, oh, that's just a guy with a knife, but. Fuck, it's a guy with a knife. I know, a guy with a knife, like, <laughs> is a pretty terrifying concept. Just a guy is a terrifying concept in a lot of scenarios. <laughs> but uh, I'm giving him a knife and forget about it. Um... <laughs> uh, we're getting deep and psychological now. Um, yeah, but I... I, hmm. Well, well, we'll get into that. I, I had an interesting time watching these movies for sure. <laughs> uh, so so which uh which of these films bothered you more from a horror aspect not from a as a movie aspect? like which one freaked me out yeah. more um um friday the 13th i think i would say but that it's like once again it's not so much in like oh this could totally happen way because like well probably not but <laughs> but more in like the concept is really scary yeah like um now, I could totally see why someone would say Halloween was scarier because it's a lot more, like, realistic. Um, however, I didn't find it that scary. I, I Definitely at, at parts. But overall, I think it was maybe... I don't even want to say it said it was slow because, like, there are other horror movies that are, like, really slow and, like, definitely scare me. Um... Oh, we're gonna have to have to think about that one more as we talk about it. I do think of the two, Friday the Thirteenth is a little bit scarier, but that's highly subjective, obviously. No, I I agree with you. I keep. I'm so sorry. I keep. I've been saying Friday the Thirteenth, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, I didn't. I didn't even. No, I've been so (laughs) rattling off Friday the Thirteenth. I actually have not seen Friday the Thirteenth. No, um, I A Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm an idiot. Continue. What were you saying? Uh. I was gonna say that is a that is a good point uh, to jump into our first movie, Halloween, uh, released hmm. in 1978, directed by John Carpenter, produced by Deborah Hill, and screenplay written by both of those people. Hmm. Um, so, th- is this your first time seeing Halloween? It is. This oh, is my first okay. time seeing the iconic Halloween. Um, I have seen this movie three times now first time i saw it i was like super young like i believe i watched like it on how a, young uh like uh preteen. like oh no oh. uh I, as a matter of fact i'm pretty sure the first time i saw it was on a vhs 
Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, Old man Justin strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just kidding. I, I watched VHS when I was a kid, too. They were just Disney movies, but... Oh, those clamshell boxes. Yeah, nice. yeah. I did uh, those, yes. I, I enjoyed... Like, if this movie freaked me out when I was a kid, I really uh, yeah. enjoyed it uh, as a teenager, early college years. It's the second time I watched it. I can't remember if I was in high school or, like, freshly out. And then uh, this rewatch... Um, and I've kind of, I've had a bell curve with it where I didn't really get it. So I couldn't really say I enjoyed it, but it freaked the hell out of me when I was a kid. But then I really enjoyed it, uh, like a decade or so ago. Um, and now I, it's one of those movies that I'm like, I see why it's so impactful. Um, but a lot of it just, it feels so dated that the horror in it comes off as very, very silly to me. (laughs) yeah it yeah i yeah we might as well get into it i've been trying to figure out why i didn't like it that much i would not say disliked it like i still think there are a lot of aspects of it that are really good um i just remember at the end kind of feeling like that's it like (laughs) and not even in like a i you know i i don't mean to sound like one of those horror fans that I rag on all the time who are like, oh, that sucked. It wasn't even scary. Like, <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, I, I believe in judging horror on not that metric, like on any metric but that. Um, so it wasn't just that. It was more just kind of like, I guess if I had to try to theorize on why exactly I had that response, I think part of it might be that it introduces a lot of elements, a lot of ideas that it never really bothers to follow up on or elaborate on in any way. I don't know if I'm exactly explaining that right. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, like, um, I... I never really understood why he was doing what he was doing. And I know that's going to sound kind of like silly because it's like, there is no why. He just wants to kill. But the movie tells you that there is a why. Like the movie strongly indicates that he is, he's specifically going back to this town and hunting these people for a reason, but they're obviously not connected to his past. Um, You know, I guess maybe he's projecting his hatred of his sister who he murdered but he already murdered her so it doesn't really fulfill the proxy thing like yeah it's weird because uh um professor doctor i think dr loomis um (laughs) that's dr professor loomis to you (laughs) (laughs) uh he he's all about anytime someone asks him he's like oh there is you can't reason with him. He's pure yeah, evil. This, but I ha- also, he's I have like, a whole thing about this. I'll he's get like, into that later. I know he's gonna be at this house, and he like he knew he yeah, was gonna like, take his sister. He does grave. have reasons, there, right? So like there is some type of motive that Michael has, but anytime it could be explored, it's just like no, he's evil. Right, and it's to me. I don't necessarily mind the concept of a killer, even a human killer, who is just 
you know, obviously it's a fanciful idea, but who's just a pure evil killing machine who can't be reasoned with and can't be stopped. Like, okay, sure. Like, it's a movie. That's fine. But if you want that to be the whole thing for your character, I guess I still don't completely understand why bother introducing all the psychological and backstory stuff if you're not ultimately going to do anything with that and, like, have it really matter at all. Like, the, the first scene... I'm not really sure why we saw that scene. Like, I... Because I don't feel that it ended up really mattering, you know? Like, um, I think it would have made more sense if he tried to kill his sister, but failed. And then, the like, like I said, then the later killings would be, like, proxy for that, like, oh, he, he built up all this rage against his sister for some reason that we have no idea, <laughs> like, why? Um, and then killed them because he couldn't kill her, but he did kill her, so it's like, why is he trying to replicate that so bad? I, yeah. I don't know. It, uh, I don't really get it. <laughs> so, I, I think, and far be it for me to tell John fucking Carpenter how to write or make a movie. No uh, disrespect, no disrespect. But, uh, but <laughs> and and we gotta keep in mind, for a lot of the things that this movie does that seems dated, nonsensical, and silly, this movie really kicked off the genre that we're talking about yes there were other like psycho obviously came out before this but this was a whole different this changed the slasher landscape in a way that um every slasher movie is doing some variation on this since halloween came out like (laughs) um but yeah there are there are one of two ways they could have gone with it if they were going to show us michael as a kid and, like, establish that he is, like, a very, very mentally ill person, uh, exploring his motivations throughout the movie could have been great. Like, there could have been some real good storytelling there. Or you go the other direction, and it's just, like, a rumor that the town has, and then he starts showing up and doing things, and that adds more mystery to him. Right. Which is also very cool. Instead, we get... It's like, okay, we see him as a kid. Something's very obviously wrong with him. What is it? Oh, the explanation is he's evil. Okay, now here we go. Here's here's the movie. <laughs> yeah, it... I don't know. It it didn't quite click for me. Um, Like, it's not so much that I think that Michael Myers as a character is someone who has a super strong motive, necessarily. But like you said, with the way um, Dr. Loomis is talking about him, is like he's so sure that he's going to do this thing and this thing and he's going to come back to this town. And like, I don't know. So it's like, so clearly that must be a, a thing for him. Like he specifically wants to go back to this town and, you know, murder people. Um, I don't know. But it was As like, you do. Yeah, as you do, as you do. And it specifically had to be on Halloween. So very much the idea that he's trying to recreate that night. But why? Uh, who who knows? Um, I don't know how they made this many sequels out of this. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> okay. I could barely get one movie out of it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, Elephant in the Room. Uh, these films have both uh, spawned giant... Yeah, you're right. They both have. Jesus. Um, And that was a big thing. Uh, Slashers tended to 
stick around. There's a ton of Friday the 13th, a ton of Nightmare on Elm Streets, a ton of Halloweens. I'm sure yeah. there are others that I'm forgetting about at the moment, but those are the big three. Um, yeah. And I, uh, again, these are, they're the popcorn horror movies. There's no other explanation for it. <laughs> um and yeah. uh, audience, if you are at all interested in keeping up with the Halloween canon, uh, much like Star Wars, uh, the old canon is out the window, and now all you need for the new canon is this movie and the Halloween that came out in 2018. That's did it. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Uh, it, it's good. How was that? feel about it the same way i feel about this one it's just modernized yeah. a little bit so it doesn't feel quite as a uh, quite as hokey as this one does i think this one is a better movie um but i find the new one um looking at it through a modern lens it's it's more watchable um just because yeah. it's, it's it's faster paced and yeah i'm not i'm not here to see a slash or i'm not going to a slasher to like think and feel things <laughs> i it can be both that's my thing it's like you you can't can have both let me let me fix that so i'm not going to see a halloween <laughs> movie after it's been franchised to death <laughs> yeah I, i'm i'm interested in the the premise of that one um based on what i've seen about it um i do uh Jamie Lee Curtis is badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I like. I mean, that's really cool to me. Is that it's like following her character, however many years later, and their I guess fi- final showdown. Um, Something else these movies have in common. Um, hmm. They both introduce us to a, uh, a Hollywood superstar. It's their first Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp and Jamie Lee Curtis. These are both of their first movies it's funny because to me johnny depp looked so different whereas jamie lee curtis looked exactly the same like i was looking at her and i was like how does she look like 18 and 40 at the same time right here (laughs) i it was so crazy looking at her face and maybe it's partially because you know like i associate jamie lee curtis with being an older woman since that's what she's been for most of my life mm-hmm. but i think also it could be like the 70s hairstyles weren't doing anyone any favors yeah um, <laughs> but, but johnny depp looks like a baby yeah he, he does child. he looks fucking, <laughs> I, that was wild he looks way different um yeah the, that's true no i mean jamie lee curtis was great in it i can completely see why her career took off um I just think her character, <laughs> I don't know if deserved better is the right word, but like, I don't know. It, given that uh, the premise of the the newer movie is what it is, it seems like he really has some kind of obsession with her. And I don't think that that even becomes remotely clarified in any way. Like, <laughs> Yeah, because like. In this movie, it seems like he fixates on her because she is the first person he sees. Yeah, th- that's um, true. That, especially that's true. that is the age that his sister was at his family's house. Like, Well, then I guess the question I would raise is, 
why not just her? Why does not she become the new proxy for his sister? Why, um, you know, why her two friends and the, like, the one girl's, like, boyfriend or whatever? That I didn't get. Uh, because one of them yelled at him in the car and he didn't like it. See, I don't, that's, that's where it all starts to fall <laughs> apart for me. I just, I don't, I don't get it at all, man. Um, uh, <laughs> oh my God. So every time Michael is like there and then he's not, especially yeah. when it's in broad daylight. You just picture me. him running away behind a bush, like fucking booking it. Like every time. It kills me. Um, and we're not going to give a chronological order for this movie. There's no need. Teenagers die. One doesn't. Each- it takes a long time for people to start, like, dying in this movie. You have to get through their elaborate, like, okay, the parents are going to be gone. We're gonna I know, these. there's you have to get so their, like, much, like, night planning. I think people forget how much of this movie is just teenagers, like, fucking around and hanging out, like, and nothing <laughs> scary happening. Um, <laughs> yeah. But occasionally you'll see Michael in the window just to remind you that this d- is a horror movie. <laughs> I don't know, man. I there are definitely some genuinely scary parts in the movie. It's just that there's a lot of nothing in between. So yeah. Uh, and when the teenagers are being murdered, uh, it, the characters in Nightmare on Elm Street, when given a chance, fight back. They, like, tussle with Freddy. They're trying to do something. Oh, yeah. Uh, other than Lori, every single character in this movie is just kind of like, well, guess I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> guess I'll die. <laughs> I know. It's... Yeah. God, the the scene where he's, like, choking the one girl in the car, I, I know we're not supposed to be ragging on these movies for, like, how dated they are, but, like, that was, like... <laughs> The, the least um i don't know the least realistic looking murder i've ever seen that's not true i've definitely seen worse ones but um the way it looked like he was barely grabbing her like she was not even doing any i don't know it was really it it, <laughs> it felt like it could have been a lot more like like visceral maybe like more violent or whatever but it was just kind of awkward looking but i i know that we're not i yeah i know it's just like i don't know i feel like the act of strangling someone like with your bare hands it has to be a little bit more of like a a grind than that like yeah it's just kind of like he's just kind of sitting there looking bored (laughs) and she's Honestly, looking a little bored for someone who's supposedly fighting for their lives. So. Right. Um, and I don't know, man. I understand that this movie exists in a in a pre Evil Dead world. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's that mean? <laughs> there is virtually no gore or blood in this movie. That's um, true. Which is very Weirdly. very interesting. Now, yeah. just. Just a few short years later, uh, we would get Evil Dead, and that kind of changed the game to the point that in A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Nancy is watching 
Evil Dead on her TV. Like, you can tell the inspiration was there for horror movies going forward. That's why there's a big blood flood in A Nightmare on M Street. Like, Yeah, there was maybe <laughs> impossible amounts of blood at times, <laughs> but um, it's fine. But it, it is interesting to see before, like, the 80s happened to horror movies, like, what was considered yeah. scary. Because this, this uh, Halloween really feels like that connective tissue between, like, classic horror of, like, Psycho and Night of the Living Dead to modern horror, which um, is is changing now as we speak, because horror changes all the time like comedy does. But it really, it's that bridge from classic Golden Age horror to 80s blood and tits horror. <laughs> God. That's a, that's, a good, that's a good descriptor for it. Um, yeah, there are, there, there are, there is blood and tits in this movie, but um, not in quite the same, <laughs> look at the blood and tits way. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Um, that's That was also kind of an interesting difference between these two is that um, Halloween seems to be taking itself like a lot more seriously. Yes. Um, which, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not against. Like, I think the darker tone worked for it um it i don't know it's like i don't know where i was going with that (laughs) (laughs) i had like a half of a thought but then it didn't really go anywhere um yeah i think that in that way it's much more of a 70s horror film because it's taking itself a lot more seriously and like um you know, has has like a more somber tone, um, which which I like, frankly, in a horror movie. Uh, I <laughs> maybe unlike you, Justin, I've never been super into like horror comedy or mm-hmm. like super wild zany horror. <laughs> I I tend to prefer it more on the like I don't know, dark, depressing, self serious side. Yeah, you also um, you really but, love horror slow burn slow burns from what I can tell. Like, yeah, the, like the witch and stuff. Yeah, like that. <laughs> well, which is funny because I mean Halloween is a slow burn compared to compared to Nightmare on Elm Street anyway. But um, which I did like. I mean, I think that you know I've ragged on this movie enough. I I will say that on the bright side, um, the atmosphere is great. Like the yeah. visuals are great. Um, I really like all of that. Um, it, uh, as a, as a big fan of It Follows, which we'll be talking about later on this month, I could definitely see where this movie influenced that, or it it was influenced by this movie, even down to some of, like, the musical cues and some of the cinematography. I was like, oh, that's where It Follows got that Mm -hmm. from, uh, which was pretty cool honestly like i i love the aesthetics in that movie and i i liked them in this movie too um i do like the slowness of it i like kind of i don't know there was something kind of an eerie quality to like this weird like emptiness of the uh suburb of whatever this place is i don't Mm -hmm. remember the name of the town um it was like you never saw very many people at one time. There's, like, a lot of empty houses full of shadows. There's, like, empty streets with only, like, one car going down the, yeah. you know, I guess, Mikey's car. Uh, and then, like, 
you would you would see people like at a distance, but they were always like vanishing away. Um, I don't know. It had a. I really liked that about it. It definitely had a very eerie atmosphere. Yeah, I, I love that that feeling of isolation. Um, yeah. And it really comes to a head when Lori is trying to escape and she's banging on her neighbor's door. Yeah. And they they open the window to look at her and turn on the light and then like just shut it and turn the lights back off. That was gnarly, man. It's like, even though you're surrounded by people, you're completely alone. Yeah. And there's a maniac in the middle of the street coming for you. <laughs> yeah, that, no, I thought it's, that was really good. Like, that sense of just, like, suburban isolation. You know, I love movies that are about that. Um, and it, weirdly, this movie is too, you know. Um, I don't know. There was, that's an interesting th- thing about it. It's just... Like, this just sense of loneliness and coldness. Um, like, even in the beginning scene, um, it's like a weird part that, I don't know how intentional it was, but it really, like, unsettled me a lot, was uh, when little, little fucking Michael comes out with, like, and I suppose it's supposed to be a reveal, you know, like when the mask comes off and it's like, oh, it's a fucking child, you know, which was, God, this gets again into like my issues with this movie, a great reveal. Like that's Mm -hmm. fucking cool. Like in a, in a really awful way. It's like you, you see someone commit this murder and everything and like follow their perspective through it. And then they take off the mask and it's a fucking like baby. Like that's pretty cool. Um, but then Nothing is ever done with that, so uh, that's no, why uh, it annoys me. Uh, that is the most unsettling uh, part in the movie for me, uh, if only because that scene uh, is the one that stuck with me the most. Uh, really? As a kid, seeing another kid <laughs> do that, I was like, Don't get what? any ideas, kiddos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I thought that was really cool and promises so much more than this movie ends up delivering. But also just that part and where, like, super weird, like, his parents get home, see him holding the knife and, like, staring into the distance. And it's just such a weird pan out. Like, they don't run into the house. They don't, like, talk to him. They don't try to take the knife. They just kind of stand there super, like, once again, like, looking almost kind of bored and just kind of looking at him like, huh, that's kind of weird. And then it just, like... (laughs) cuts to the next scene oh, yeah. and i was like what is this and it what's it, it seems so emblematic of that whole like suburban isolation and and i don't know apathy but i don't know if it could be considered <laughs> actually playing into that or not what what were you going to say it's so funny because they he's standing there holding a knife they sit there in silence for what feels like five minutes and then the dad just goes michael and then <laughs> Cut to a time card. Time jump. <laughs> yeah. It is. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Like, I, I, I couldn't get a read on it. I couldn't get a read as, like, what the movie wanted me to think was going on there. I, I was not sure. Um, <laughs> it was weird, man. And then another thing. Okay, it's not that the movie is obligated to tell me this, but I was kind of surprised that the movie never mentioned his parents again. Because his parents were very much alive. And um, it doesn't, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think it says anything about, like, where they were in the picture since he's been locked up for 15 years. I, I think you're supposed to imply, um, because the, 
first scene with Lori is she's dropping a key off because her mom's a realtor and they're selling. They're probably just the fucking Myers split. House. Like... Yeah, I think after their daughter was murdered and their son went to an asylum, uh, presumably for the rest of his life, they just uh, so left they out. just totally abdicated responsibility for him too. Yep. It seems like this is yeah. dark, man. But it's like also weird because it's like it's like the movie doesn't want us well doesn't tell us that it doesn't want us to agree with it or not agree with it it just it's just ceases to matter so i guess i didn't really understand why we even saw them in the first place since they i don't know didn't end up this is so much that like either doesn't end up mattering or things that matter very much but it's not clear why <laughs> i i don't know i don't know why that bothers me so much i i I almost feel kind of embarrassed because I'm like, I, f- I don't want to be one of those people who needs their hand held through, like, every movie. Like, please explain this to me like I'm five. But I guess there, it's kind of a line between that and when a movie is clearly telling you that something is important, I guess it's fair to want to know why or how that's important. Yeah. This movie, um, for as slow of a burn as it is, insanely light- on plot um <laughs> uh, yeah i guess you're right we uh, I, I was watching it um with heather and i got up to go to the bathroom and she was like do you want me to pause it i was like no nothing's gonna happen and i was right Ouch. like I, i've seen the movie before i know yeah <laughs> it's like they're just gonna be teenagery for That's a second i might miss true. a shot of him through a window yeah it's most of it takes place in like the course of like one day Mm-hmm. which is pretty cool i guess you know nothing wrong with that and um, all of the all of the murders happen in one house um that's pretty cool he attempts to kill Lori in uh a different home but all three of the teenager murders happens in that garage of that house and then um in that one house so it's pretty oh. pretty interesting interesting concept huh you're right i didn't catch that that's cool huh yeah, yeah, like, um, as, like, a kind of stalking plus home invasion movie, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if the whole movie had been, like, in one house, like, it had, or just that, and they didn't try to set up all that, like, backstory and stuff, I probably would have liked it more, because it would have been less, like, about Michael Myers as some kind of force of nature uh or it would have been less about him except as a force of nature i guess (laughs) um and it wouldn't have brought in all the weird useless backstory that didn't end up mattering uh dr loomis exists uh solely as a way to wrap up the movie and an exposition machine god this guy the (laughs) i love how they have this guy as the movie making like making an excuse for itself to be like oh they they tried everything but they just couldn't reach this guy he was just an inhuman killing machine like it's not our fault like, i don't know i just thought it was kind of funny it's like i mean you know or we could just not rationalize it we could just be like here's a guy who's trying to kill someone i mean i once again as i keep saying with this movie i get what they're going for i'm just not sure how it's all supposed to tie together like <laughs> it, yeah, 
uh, more more dropped opportunities. Um, one, Doctor Loomis and Michael having any sort of real confrontation. They right? just see each other, and then right? Michael gets shot. Uh, 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 the the police officer. I don't know if he's like supposed to be the sheriff or whatever. Uh, that's working with Loomis is the father of one of the victims and we don't get to see him nope. react see none of to that. that at all nope. uh and also i do feel a little bit bad for dr loomis he's out there Th- this guy is a psychiatrist and he's out here like trying to catch a very strong murder machine and With he's the like power yeah we did psychiatry. Ev- <laughs> he's like yeah we did everything we could i just i want to help the cops get him blah 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 and he's like out there doing the best he can the cop's like well if what you said's true then damn you for letting him go and he's like i didn't though that part (laughs) bothered me so much okay not even so much the fact that the guy said it but the fact that like dr what's his fuck didn't even say anything he's just kind of like yeah but it's like it literally is not what happened (laughs) first of all (laughs) it's so bizarre and it's, I mean, for that matter, it's never clear how he escaped or anything like that. He just kind of did, um, which, sure. Um, I don't, the, the scene where they're approaching the mental facility uh, is pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty eerie. You see, like, people in white, like, walking around in the darkness in the background. It's just, like, it's pretty spooky. On the one hand, it's like... Some of this hasn't aged that well, um, but on yeah. the other hand, I mean, atmospherically, it's really cool. Um, and I, I also love how much um, driving Michael does in this movie. He's just driving around. He's fucking cruising for so much <laughs> of this movie. Like, somebody says something about him having learned to drive, and I'm like, the concept of someone giving him driving lessons. Just this this it's guy who hasn't hilarious. spoken in fifteen years, just like, hey man, uh, I know you're sitting there uh, watching the paint dry, but uh, you wanna you wanna learn how to drive stick, Sonny? <laughs> it's fucking hilarious! I want to see that short film of someone teaching fucking Michael Myers to drive. Like, I it it's bizarre. It's or the cut of the film that as soon as Michael Myers gets behind the uh, wheel, he like crashes into a ditch. Yeah, I know. Maybe, yeah, there's like a whole a whole like uh, missing scene that we don't see of him like completely failing at driving over and over again. Um, yeah, it's just the fact that he drives. I don't know why it's that in particular that makes him so much less scary. Like mm. he's so scary when he's just like slowly walking around like hiding in bushes and shit but like the idea of him driving and i don't know having to stop at a red light is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah uh, <laughs> so i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about the mask uh it, it, it's common knowledge by by now um but for those of you not in the know uh, the Michael Myers mask is a slightly altered uh, face casting of uh, William Shatner. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, it is a, it so is a bad William Shatner. It. it is a bad white William Shatner mask. <laughs> so I guess my main question would be, why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> was John Carpenter just like you know it would be fucking hilarious um, if he was wearing a William Shatner mask 
yeah i who knows um the production designer uh who designed the mask is tommy lee wallace so good on ya <laughs> using a celebrity to using the likeness of a celebrity altering it to make it spooky and then accidentally creating one of the most iconic like film villains of all time like good good on you <laughs> stumble into fame like that um yeah i mean it's a scary mask mm-hmm. i don't really get why he wears it other yeah, than and the also, halloween connection and so i i didn't catch the name of the store that he stole everything from but they flat out say it's like uh he stole a knife some rope and a mask must just be kids Some for kids, Halloween. Yeah. Uh, but also, what kind of store has, like, is, like, a general goods slash hardware store that also just has, has this mask like... hanging out in? <laughs> I don't fucking know. But but they could, but they had to do that because if it was just a Halloween store, then they wouldn't have a real knife, so. Yeah. that I want to see that movie as well. <laughs> Ow! Ow! <laughs> Dude, Stop what the it, fuck? Stop. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh God! What else to say about this movie? I don't. Uh, I don't know. The the poster for the movie is very cool. Uh, the hand holding the knife and it like looks like it's repeating. As it's repeating, it's turning into a, a jack o' lantern. That's true. Very cool. That is pretty. Very cool. cool. Good. Cool. Uh, uh, graphic design is my passion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Good meme. Good meme. Um, but now, uh. This movie, we've we've kind of talked a lot of shit about it. Um, yeah. All of that being said, <laughs> all of that being said, I do still enjoy this movie. Um, I I see its cultural relevance in terms of like what it did for horror movies. Um, it's actually in the Library of Congress as of two thousand and six for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Uh, and I mean, it is, it is, a lot of it has aged poorly, but I, I I try to put myself in the mind of someone like the weekend of Halloween in 1978 watching this movie. And I, I can see how it, how it could be freaky. Um, but I enjoy this movie and pretty much this movie alone in the classic franchise. I don't really care for any of the others and I've seen quite a few of them. Um, have you so my recommendation oh yes sorry have you seen the the remake from the 2000s back when they were remaking all those horror movies uh yeah don't i i don't like it so you have seen it yeah i I haven't seen it nor do i really want to but no i'm like i'm all kinds of good on the uh the rob zombie remakes is is that Um, yeah rob zombie made it i I don't think Rob Zombie did the the Nightmare remake, but I don't like that one either. Yeah, uh, I started watching that, and I was like, hmm, okay, sure. It's like, it's like where'd the fun go? Yeah, it's, <laughs> oh, it's trying so hard to be edgy, dude. It, I'm sure we'll talk about it here in a minute. In 2010? No. Uh, no. Who was trying to be edgy in 2010? Um, so my recommendation for anyone who's like curious about checking out this franchise, uh, if you want to have friends over, get pissed drunk, and watch like Halloween, Season of the Witch, and like all the other uh, 
trash movies. Uh, feel free, make it a thing, make fun of the movies. But if you want to watch it um, because you're curious what happens to the characters, I recommend going this movie and then the newest uh, movie. Get to see an aged Lori uh, kick some ass. That's pretty cool. It's cool. Yeah, it's like a duology, which is all it mm-hmm. ever needed to be. Uh, well, now this uh, this sequel is getting two sequels. So. <laughs> okay, so so apparently he's not dead at the end of it again. Or yeah. I don't. If if we ever yeah, talk about the care. sequel, I'll get to that because there's the end of that movie makes me so mad. Anyway. Oh oh oh. <laughs> anyway. They have a gun pointed at him, and they don't fire it. Anyway. Bad. <laughs> Terrible. Just no. like, anyway. No. But it, enjoyable watch. <laughs> enjoyable watch. Um, yeah, that's really all of my thoughts on Halloween. Uh, it's it's an aged classic that you can, you can enjoy watching. Um, but I think anyone familiar with, familiar with the genre, um... <laughs> you're not going to get anything new out of it, but sometimes it's nice to go back and see, like, where, like, the uh, foundation that modern movies are built on. And uh, other than going all the way back to things like Psycho, um, Halloween is a great, is the place to start for this genre. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, like, I can definitely see how it was influential at the time. Um, And, you know, I completely get that, like, that's a, that's another thing is that like some movies are iconic, you know, not because they're good or or not just because they're good, you know, but sometimes it's important to think about the cultural relevance of things. Um and you know, that's an example of that. Like the first example of something isn't always the best, but the fact that it's the first is definitely worth something. So, yeah. you know, I completely recognize that. And, um, yeah, uh, I really like the music. I will also say that, uh, the music was really cool. I really oh, liked it. S- soundtrack in both these movies slap. <laughs> um, now, because we have the show that we have, a brief, brief note on theme. Um, this movie, people have, uh, <laughs> this mo- people have written, like, essays on how this movie uh, is about the virtue of sexual purity and the dangers of uh, casual sex. Oh? Uh, that's how it's worded in the Wikipedia. But I... John Carpenter is on record saying that that was not his intention. Yeah. The characters behave the way that they behave because they're acting like real teenagers. Yeah, I was going to say, weirdly enough, like I know that that's kind of like a cliche at this point of horror movies from this era is that like the more sexually promiscuous you are, the more likely you are to to eat it um but but that being said i did yeah i didn't really get that vibe from this movie i if anything i got it more from uh the next one we'll be talking about than i did from this one um yeah i think it that is another thing that kind of became retrofitted like so many movies after it did it that it was kind of assumed that this one must be doing it too but i don't know if anything it i think there was maybe a little bit of the whole like not like other girls thing going on with laurie like the, i i 
it's pretty hard to say that wasn't happening. That being yeah. said, I don't think it was going all the way into, oh, they had sex, now they gotta die. Like, you know, it was more just kind of like her friends were different people than she was. That being said, everyone that dies on screen was trying to or did have sex. That's true. <laughs> that Once again, that's an example of this movie, like, kind of sort of introducing these things but never introducing things in general and then never quite knowing where it wants to go with them mm -hmm. like in some ways i wouldn't approve or anything but in some ways it would make more sense if the movie was trying to draw a connection between sexual promiscuity and getting murdered <laughs> <laughs> but, but or maybe the movie is just saying oh no no i as the director don't agree with that but see michael is a bit of a prude okay so <laughs> i uh i do i do have to give this Sorry, movie my mic uh, fell off oh no i do have to give this movie uh kudos for uh showing what sex as a teenager is like and that that guy finishes in like 30 seconds <laughs> Dude, and the girl's was, just like wow that was great i, know, I was like <laughs> did i miss a cut like, I was, like, watching it, and they are having extremely slow, unremarkable, pretty quiet sex. He finishes super fast, and she was like, wow, that was great. And I was like, honey, no, you need to have higher standards. <laughs> that was, I, but yeah, I was like, did I, I, I completely... I blinked and there was a cut or something and it was like, oh, the, it's they've already been doing it for like 15 minutes. Nope. They just, they just, <laughs> they just, <laughs> woof. Uh, sadly, they will never get to know what they were missing out on, I guess. Mm -hmm. Sad. That's the real tragedy uh, here. Also, uh, if anyone shows up wearing uh, a bed sheet and glasses and that's it and isn't saying a word, you get maybe three warnings before yeah. I throw something at you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's another thing. It's like I, that was that was a pretty fun little scare, like because it's operating on that sort of dramatic irony of like we, the audience, know that that's not the fucking boyfriend, but she doesn't mm -hmm. know. But it's also like, why did he do that? Yeah, you know, Michael likes to. He likes to have a little fun. Does he? He's a he's a kid at heart. <laughs> Uh, also, like, and the way he plays, he's all he's all having fun. He's like, "Oh no, she stabbed me." Then we pretend like you're sleeping. Pretend like you're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I was Heather and I were laughing so hard every time that happened because it happens like three times. In the, I know in the it scene kept happening. I kept hearing so double tap from Zombie Land like over and over again. I was like, <laughs> "Why are you?" See, that's where I started to lose a little bit of sympathy for Laurie. Like, I was with her the whole way until, at this point, she has quote-unquote killed him, like, twice. And she's still not checking to make sure he's actually uh, dead. And I'm like, girl, what? No. Yeah, if someone has broken into my house and has gone through the links to murder me that Michael Myers has, and I get the upper hand... I do not stop stabbing until the police show. Oh, I was gonna say no. I'm 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 doing some heinous stuff to make sure that guy's actually dead. Yeah. Like, and it, that's the thing. Like the first time, whatever. I get it. I don't expect people in horror movies to make great decisions all the time because that's not how humans operate. 
But once you are operating from the mindset of a person who has been repeatedly stalked and by someone who has attempted to murder them multiple times and has come back, quote unquote, from the dead multiple times, at that point, I stop understanding why you wouldn't yeah. just, just just fucking finish it. I, like after the sewing needle and the neck didn't work, I know. It's like okay, I gotta go, I gotta go extra hard. That was a cool part, admittedly, uh, where like I it was cool seeing her like being resourceful and stuff, where she like grabs the the hanger, does that 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 was a pretty cool part. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but I was like, how could someone be that smart to do something like that and then not? whatever man it's a movie it's whatever <laughs> I don't know. it's a movie from the 70s yeah yeah it's it's fine it's fine but uh, uh yeah. yeah uh so good classic movie it's fun to watch uh it's not my favorite in john carpenter's uh filmography but uh it it's talked about to this day for a reason and uh i enjoy it I actually haven't seen any other John Carpenter movies. I I, I do want to see other ones. I just haven't yet. Hmm. Right. Me too. Well, I'm sure we will get to it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I mean, this one was was good. I mean, it's a good start. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely like to see other ones. All right. Whew. Okay, we talked about that longer than I thought we would, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb's not here to move us along, so we're just... <laughs> We'd be talking. Stop talking about themes and move on. I, I know. God, that's what I say to myself every day. Um, okay, well, yes, we yeah, we will be back after the break to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out our show. Give us a follow on Twitter at SoundsFilmiliar and let us know any film pairings you would like us to cover. Did you also know that we have a sister show that covers cryptids, UFOs, and anything else strange and spooky? If that sounds like your thing, be sure to listen to I Hope You Exist on your favorite podcast service. We love you. Now back to the show. Hello, we are back from the break. And we are here to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street. One, two, Freddy's coming for me. <laughs> I do love the theme song. It's pretty spooky, man. Uh, like, like Halloween, I really like the music in this one. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, the theme's really good. It It is the most 80s of 80s soundtracks. And it's, it's <laughs> okay, yes, that's true, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so... A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, what year is this one from? 1984. Okay, big year for movies. Uh, that one, 1984, 1985. Uh, written and directed by Mr. Wes Craven. <laughs> this was this. Where how like, where was this w- within his filmography? Like he had, I know he had been making movies for a little while before then. Because didn't he make like Last House on the Left or whatever? Uh, yeah, Last House Before on the then. Left, The Hills Have Eyes, uh, the, yeah. the Swamp Thing movie. Oh, I didn't know that was him. This is his sixth film uh, from my count, and boy, is it a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it is a film, a movie. Uh, so this is your first time with this one as well it is yeah yeah um this is my first time seeing this one i 
weirdly have seen the remake from 2010. Mm. Um, didn't think that much of it. Um, thought slightly more of this one. <laughs> Though, <laughs> once again, it's like, it's a movie. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's pretty much my only experience seen both of them once at this point um this is another case of uh uh, i saw it when i was way too young no uh so i actually have a little more of a connection to this one because uh freddy krueger and uh pinhead from the hellraiser series are the like two horror movie characters that my mom is absolutely like terrified of for some reason those ones Uh uh-huh uh and so i remember hearing her like talk about it (laughs) when i was young so when i went over to a friend's house and saw that their parents had like a nice box set of all six at the time i think that's right six uh nightmare movies uh i of course being an elementary school kid who just heard that these are like the most terrifying (laughs) movies ever was like dude okay once your parents go to bed we totally have to watch it oh yeah of Um, course so we i only saw one and two i barely remember two but this is this is my third time like halloween seeing nightmare on street and once again like halloween i saw it when i was super young watched it again in high school and then i watched it now (laughs) that's so funny because i i grew up hearing about both of these movies and I think they were getting some additional buzz, like, when I was in school uh, around that age because of the fucking remakes coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, because for some reason that was such a big thing in the 2000s and I guess early 2010s. Yeah. Um, what? None of them are good. The Texas Chainsaw remake's not good. Uh, Friday the 13th's not good. This isn't That's good. Like, why were they doing that? Halloween Why was it, like, good. all of them? Uh, who knows? Instead of single one. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I remember thinking that the remake was, like, kind of scary, but nothing really remarkable. Like, once again, the only really scary thing about it is that the concept is pretty scary. But, um, other than that, it was pretty, like, run-of-the-mill horror. Um, which... So is this one, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, well, the thing about this one is that it it definitely has a sense of fun, I guess, mm-hmm. a sense of wackiness that um, that the remake doesn't, because oh, it's really taking itself seriously. When he's walking out of the fog and his arms are all stretchy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... This is scary, but also (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, and the remake could never. No, God, no. (laughs) No. And when she uh, she's going to like push his face and like his skin slides off and it's a very goofy looking skeleton just going Bah Uh, It's it's so yeah. Uh (laughs) so copy and paste everything I said uh about Halloween and like the problems with it being dated uh save for the complaint that uh halloween was slow and copy and paste all of those arguments onto this movie with the added bonus of my god is it 
kind of fun to watch. It's like it it yeah. It, it's a fun watch. Like I will I will absolutely give it that. Um it's rarely boring. Um occasionally, but 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 rarely as opposed to Halloween which you know is has a lot of boring parts. Um I love uh I love Nancy and how she is like a very active yeah, protagonist no, for a cool. horror movie. Yeah. No, I I love God, one scene that made me so like kind of sad was just like um near the end when she's talking to her dad and she's like trying to like get him to listen to her plan and she's like i'm gonna like you have to make sure you show up in 20 minutes and like to help me take care of this and her dad's just like ah uh, sure whatever like and i'm like <laughs> like obviously obviously we can't expect the dad to just be like oh obviously there's a guy killing kids in their dreams but we can't expect him to listen to his daughter and be like sure this is a really hard time for you if that will help you make make you feel safer then i'll do it like but it's just every adult in this movie needs a boot in the ass so bad (laughs) it's so frustrating to watch just uh just it hurts man i mean bill's real for sure um yeah, the closest thing to a sympathetic adult, probably, obviously, is, like, Nancy's mom, who actually pretty interesting character as this kind of movie can get. You yeah. Know? Uh, but, yeah, just, like, a complete mess of a human. Um, <laughs> and Nancy's, like, having to be the the adult the entire time. It's just, I don't know, it's it's sad, man. It, I mean, but that's good. You know, you kind of need that human element to this sort I- of thing. I know uh, Nightmare on Elm Street has already uh, crossed over with Friday the 13th in the classic piece of cinema that is Freddy vs. Jason. God, right. But I want to see a movie where Lori and Nancy team up (laughs) and kick Slasher ass. Honestly, me too. Yeah, that's something I will absolutely say for both these movies is they both have great final girls. Um, I'm sure helping to kickstart the the trope. Um, yeah, who are who managed to to be really active while still being like believable as like a teenager in this kind of situation. I will say this: I think Nancy uh, would fuck Michael Myers up, though. <laughs> like she is done. She's ready to like full yeah, on fight true. a demon. Dude, I love what she just fucking tackles Freddy. She's like, okay, here we go. Come on. She just tackles that bitch. I was like, what? He has claws for fingers. And she's just sacking him. It's great. Uh, <laughs> I love her. She's... No, she's actually really good. Yeah, I, 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 I do like that a lot. Um, and I, th- I think that it was well done. I think that at this point, I guess horror movies had evolved beyond the uh, the screaming bimbo stereotype, mm-hmm. mostly. Not that we could ever completely get rid of that, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, no, they, they were definitely good in that regard. And both these movies also, you know, since we're a comparison podcast, more or less, like, have kind of similar, like cast of characters and that they're both kind of about these like teens who are like hanging out and like some of them are like shy and nerdy and then other ones are getting laid and like so yeah and it's like why are these people hanging out when they don't seem to have that much in common they're like sure whatever um 
yeah, no, I, I liked that, and I like how you kind of see their, the different dynamics of them trying to figure it out. I actually really liked uh, one thing that I noticed was missing from the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street remake was um, that I liked that <laughs> Nancy was, like, pretty much the only one standing up for, like, the bad boy boyfriend who mm-hmm. everyone believed murdered what's-her-fuck. Um, and, like, to the point where she actually, like, kind of stops her dad from shooting him, which I yeah. was like, damn, Nancy's kind of a, a baller over here. Like, it steps in front of the gun and just goes, no! <laughs> her dad's just like, oh, God damn it. Like, uh, I didn't expect to have to deal with this shit today. Um, no, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Of course, in the remake, it's just like that those dynamics are more or less erased. Everyone's kind of a version of the same character. Yeah. Um, the, the whole thing with the dad is completely gone. Um, but I, I kind of liked that. It was like, okay, so so Nancy's one of the few level-headed people around here <laughs> to, to, to start off with. That's, uh, that's something I do like about this movie is the main group of teens all have, like, a lot of them are kind of stock personalities, but they are at least a group of teenagers yeah. who all feel distinct from one another. Yeah. Um, which is nice in a movie like this. A lot of the times it's just, like, there might be one character who's, like, the standout and the rest of them are just, like, yeah, kind of generic. Yeah, characters, yeah. Um, um, yeah, no, I, I did like that kind of, that dynamic, um... <laughs> God, also, God, the, okay, the, another thing that wasn't in the remake, this fucking, uh, the one guy's funeral, fucking Rod, I could not believe that fucking preacher who was like, he who lives by the sword shall die by the sword, and I was like, this person was like 17, what the fuck are you doing, man? That was the most offensive thing I have ever seen. <laughs> I was like, this, this guy, uh, I don't know, drank underage sometimes, and maybe he had, like, a switchblade. And so that entitles me to slander him at his own funeral. He shouldn't have been such a rapscallion. I know, that was fucking, like, I mean, obviously, he had been accused of murder, but in no way convicted. Uh, Also, (laughs) That was wild, dude. Also, Wes, how are you gonna sneak in a joke about or a joke name with the horniest teenager being named Rod. <laughs> okay, so was was that a joke? I mean, I guess that does, I, I guess that makes sense. I mean, that's how I read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe his name was Rodert. <laughs> Rod. Rod. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> yes, the. <laughs> Yeah, this is a, this one was another. Well, I mean, I was going to say this is another if you have sex you die, but her the main girl's like kind of boyfriend never gets even close to having sex uh with anyone and he, he tries. He definitely dies. That's true. He does kind of try. Uh he's like <gasps> she's like not tonight. We're here for girl who's about to die. I can't yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> Tina. Tina. That man died a virgin. Oh, I'm so sad for him. Uh, yeah. And, and the, he dies the worst death. <laughs> uh, does he? It wasn't clear to me how he even fucking dies. I mean. He just kind of like. Dis- s- like, it wasn't even clear to me if he was asleep. 
Like, I didn't know what was happening there. So, something this movie does, it likes to play with the are they asleep, are they awake thing, which is very cool. It's a very cool trick to pull on the audience, with the exception of it breaks its own rules. Yeah, that's sometimes. The, right, that's the thing. Unless the whole thing is supposed to be interpreted as a dream, but it's not because there's sequels. Uh, <laughs> but actually, while we're on that topic, the ending of this movie was supposed to be an uplifting ending. You were go- uh, it was gonna wake up. I didn't up. like the ending. I did not like. Yeah. The- we'll we'll get to that. We'll get. To that. Uh, what were you gonna say? Nancy was going to wake up. All of her friends were going to be alive, and it was gonna be an up ending um it was gonna be the whole one of those whole thing was a dream type deals and oh that's okay what, well, i don't know if i like that either but that's what Wes craven wanted was a was a more uplifting ending but uh he was pressured by the studio um to leave potential open for sequels and to change the ending and that's why we get the very weird and rushed car that was I, ending that was super weird like watching that i was like wait what how and why what? and also within that ending it's nancy's dream so why is her mom also like taken by freddie and are they sharing a dream or is there like a weird limbo Dude, dreamscape that they all go to after they die i don't that ending shit man i i was no i was not a fan of that yeah. i was like there is nothing that has happened in the story up to now to be- to make me believe that this is at all what would happen. Like uh, maybe it's explained in the sequels that I'm probably never going to rewatch. No, that was so- that was some bullshit. Um, I, but who knows? Yeah. Maybe I will. Sometimes when I can't yeah. sleep, I like to I like to pour <laughs> a glass of whiskey and watch stuff like Reanimator. <laughs> oh I'm just like, ah, oh, here's something that's apparently <laughs> fucked up that I haven't seen yet. Let's watch it. That'll put you right to sleep. <laughs> yeah, the thing, yeah, the ending was confusing for me because I think an ambiguous ending would be the way to go, but it would have to be more ambiguous than that. That was not ambiguous. Um, oh. I, I think that this is the kind of movie where you can't, you can't really have like a, a super uh, clear-cut happy ending, but I, I don't think you also can have whatever this shit is. Like, I think that since the whole theme is it's about like dreams versus reality or whatever that you need kind of an ambiguous ending there where there's like maybe like for instance if it had cut off with like her and her mom walking out of the house and it's like weirdly misty and you see some little girls like jumping rope that's like why are they there and then it just ended sure i'm good that's that's fucking great that's a great ambiguous movie ending but the way it was i was just like i what what no when when nancy's mom gets yanked through the door and there's that clear transition from <laughs> woman to uh to mannequin it's that so was, noticeable that was so the worst funny. effect in the whole movie oh my god the whole fucking movie it was well bad, it, dude. it's I, I bet it looks that bad because it was like they changed the ending like during production so they had run out of money <laughs> well what i'm confused about is that I think it would have been easy to leave it open for sequels while still not having that shit happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just a little ambiguity, I think, would pretty... Also, maybe just, like, a way to do it would be, like, maybe Nancy has defeated him for herself, but he still can attack other people, because that seemed to me to be kind of the 
the ethos, God, am I using that correctly, of the ending, <laughs> I don't know if I'm using it correctly, that seemed to be, like, what the ending was saying, and with that whole kind of through line of, like, talking about, like, dream technique and, like, uh, banishing the monster from your dreams by refusing to give it power. I mean, that was pretty cool. That made sense. Yeah. So the fact that she was then, like, had that cool line of, I take back every bit of energy I ever gave you. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, and then he cartoonishly vanishes into <laughs> little sparkles. <laughs> like a fucking fairy godmother, dude. That was pretty funny. Oh, God, it's great. It's great. <laughs> but, but that felt like a significant moment and to then undercut it mm. so maybe if it had just been like oh well he can't get nancy anymore but he can get someone else and then that leaves the door open for see i don't know yeah. i just felt like there were many better ways to do that but whatever um, so i yeah it's so hard for me to talk about this without talking about the franchise because this franchise gets fucking bonkers does it uh, oh i believe it i believe uh, it so uh, uh spoiler uh, for anyone watching the series uh nancy does live she's in the third movie okay uh, um so she does make it through whatever happens in that ending uh i believe that she does end up getting killed in the third movie but after like she gets Ew. killed she gets killed kicking freddy's ass like all right it's fair a, it's a mutual destruction type thing <laughs> uh and then the the sixth movie in the franchise west craven's new nightmare has the plot of the movie is the concept of freddy escapes from the film world Gets into our world, embodies itself as the character Freddy Krueger, and then goes after uh, Heather Loggenkamp, who plays Nancy, in the real world. And Heather Loggenkamp uh, plays herself in that movie. <laughs> I really kind of want to see that. Yeah, yeah. Of all if the only for the bonkers concept. If. Uh, of all the sequels, that's the one I wanna I wanna go back and watch. Um, apparently, people say that like you can watch it as a standalone movie without watching all the other sequels. Um, and I think totally I'm going bad. to because save for Freddy vs. Jason, that is the last in the uh, Freddy franchise that's not the reboot. Um, so what the hell? And I'm kind of curious that's fucking weird dude but also kind of a cool concept i mean uh, the- and you have to think of it and I'm, I'm wrong it's the seventh movie in the franchise <sighs> and it came out in 1994 there were seven nightmare movies made in 10 years <laughs> they were just uh cranking them out weren't they uh, there was also an anthology uh series called like freddy's nightmares or something like that uh, that was like a take on Tales from the Crypt with Freddy Krueger hosting it. This franchise is nuts. Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's wild. You know, it's funny. Like we 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 talk about how big franchising is now, which I mean, it definitely is has a stranglehold on the movie industry. But apparently, it's always had a bit of a stranglehold. Cause uh, wow, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I say this with love, but that character is not interesting enough to sustain that many movies. Like, oh, uh, the Freddy? The concept, maybe? <laughs> yeah, but, but 
I I mean, neither is the character of Michael Myers, if you ask me. But yeah. I that I okay, yeah. That we might as well. I <laughs> I think that this movie would be so much scarier without Freddy Krueger, and I'm sure that's a hot take because I know he's like an iconic horror movie villain. But, but every he's a cartoon time, character. Yes, every time he appears, I'm just like, okay, we're we're doing this now, like <laughs> like this with a capital T. He's he's like a he's like a serial killing Looney Tune. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I and it's just, it it's not that he's not ever scary. I think it's more there's like a weird dissonance to me between the the like the concept of the movie which is a pretty high concept movie like it's all about this one idea that like you know you can that somebody can like stalk you in your dreams and kill you and if you get killed in your dream you get killed for real like cool that's a really cool idea like but then (laughs) to like have him be the avatar of it who's just like a guy but, like, he, I don't know, he's kind of, like, a gnarly-looking guy, and he's got, like, a fucking sweater, I guess, and he's got, like, knives proofing. Like, there's so many different things going on with this man. <laughs> I don't know, like, what, how am I supposed to feel about this? I really don't know. I, it, it doesn't quite work for me, but that could be me. I, I, I see what you're saying, and, and it might have already been done, I don't know, um, I would like to see this concept taken without having a character with a capital C be right. the villain. Like, I feel like just of... the concept of that dimension itself could be yeah. the villain. Make it some like weird, unknowable, cosmic, horror, yeah. Lovecraftian shit. That would uh, be cool, dude. Uh, that would be fucking cool. And give me that concept. That being said, uh, it, it, it works for what it wants to do and what (laughs) it wants to do is be a very very silly kind of dumb gore fest (laughs) kind of it's not even that gory but like uh, yeah by by 84 standards i mean maybe again again this is a this is a film that came out in the post evil dead world and like i said nancy is even like overtly watching the first one uh well is this this is there's no way this is gore as gory as evil dead is it i mean i could be wrong uh no it's not um but i i i fully believe the reason why johnny depp dies the way he does with the big blood flood as i like to call it uh is is because is because of things like evil dead uh gallons and gallons and gallons I did. of, of cool age yeah <laughs> i was just like okay this might as well happen it's not uh, i love things that like take gore like that and just make it ridiculous it, it, it's part of the reason why kids in the 90s loved mortal Kombat. like oh i uppercutted oh. this guy so hard that 15 rib cages flew out of him <laughs> 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 You killed him so hard you gave him multiple rib cages. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. <laughs> that's fun. Uh, so it, and that's exactly, like, it, it makes sense that when Mortal Kombat did its big reboot uh, in, like, the PS3 era, that Freddy Krueger showed up as a guest character 
in that game. It's like it's that same <laughs> it's that same wavelength of of God. just fun but dumb and gory. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's I it, yep. And that we might as well also get into the like weird pointless backstory in my opinion weird pointless backstory i feel free to disagree with me i the fact that he is so cartoony and like i don't know so caricatured the fact that they were like oh this was a real guy who actually lived who murdered kids and i was like it why have this why 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 have this at all like especially because it actually makes it make less sense for him to have been a real guy because of the fact that they're introducing this insane thing that he can get people in their dreams. It would make more sense if he was just some kind of demon or Lovecraftian entity than it would that he was just a guy who lived and like somehow went to like Jedi school and figured out how to get into people's dreams. So the only way it works for me and what my head canon is, is he was like a scary, like intense guy uh but then he just slowly went insane <laughs> in the dream dimension and uh it became and a looney tunes character yes uh so again i don't know if it's a scene in any in any movie but uh in treehouse of horror five i think the simpsons parody nightmare on elm street and it, it does something that the movie doesn't and it shows uh the freddy stand-in which is groundskeeper willie and it's hilarious uh appearing to the parents and like saying i'm gonna get your kids in the one place you can't protect them their dreams before he dies i'm like that's a scene that should be in the movie (laughs) right like i mean it still wouldn't make any fucking sense as to how he actually managed to do it but at least it would provide a through line you know some kind of connective tissue I, that was so weird to me. I was like, it, okay, so what's so great about Freddy? Like, he can get into people's dreams? Why can't fucking Ted Bundy get into people's dreams? Why can't yeah. the the <laughs> Night Stalker or some shit? Like, I don't, like, what, why does he get to? I, I really wish the audience could see the video, uh, because <laughs> you're a head bob when you said, what's so special about Freddy? It was like... What No, I'm honestly kind of offended. I'm like, oh, why does Freddy get to do this, but like no one else gets to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. That... <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, uh, this movie um, just kind of gives itself license to do whatever it yeah, wants. Whatever it's like it, it's very careful not to establish too hard of the rules of like what's the dream dimension what can freddy do in the real world within the dream (laughs) because because at first and it kind of switches because at first it's like okay he can only get them in the dreams but whatever he does to their physical body happens in the dream but then from the minute that nancy is able to pull out the hat uh it kind of switches, and Freddy is able to, as long as it starts with them dreaming, he can then follow them into the yeah, real world. It's like, right, and that's the thing. Like, I don't necessarily have a problem with the lines becoming blurred, but with a movie that so much predicates itself on these rules, 
Like, th- this is how this concept works. Mm-hmm. If you're then going to muddy the waters that much, it, I, to me, it undercuts it a little bit because it makes it a lot less clear, like, what the stakes are, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's... it. <laughs> It's a mess, man. But uh, it it's fun for sure. I I, I mean, it, it's creepy for what it's worth. Like, this one also kind of explores some of that, like, isolated suburbia atmosphere. Like, especially in the dreams where they're, like, running around and there's, like, no one there except Freddy, oh no! Like... Uh, <laughs> so, something I, I just connected. Um... In Halloween, it's it's happening the entire time where the murders are happening, like, happening literally across the street. Um, and that's kind of mirrored in A Nightmare on Elm Street when uh, Johnny Depp's character, can't remember his name, uh, <laughs> Glenn, when Glenn is dying and no one's listening to Nancy, she is watching everything happen from across the street. So that feeling of, like, you're... you're in this neighborhood that's supposed to be like, oh, everyone's neighborly and looks out for each other, but literal, like, murder is happening yeah. across the street, and you can do nothing about it, and no one else in the neighborhood is doing anything about it. Like, it's a that, yeah, very interesting a concept. Point. Right. Um, And I mean, you know, if you want to extrapolate, you could take it as thematically significant that people are targeted in their dreams, which is such a highly personal and subjective space. Like you are within your own subconscious and literally cannot be accessed by anyone outside of it. (laughs) Except for fucking Freddy, I guess. Like (laughs) you can't, you can't be accessed by any other people. And in that way, it's profoundly isolating. And, you know, Nancy has to, now that I think about it, both with her father and with Glenn, has to, like, fight with these people to be like, please, take this seriously. I need you to wake me up, or I need you to do this thing. And that's a way of, like, trying to reach out from that profoundly isolating experience and to get people to help you. <laughs> of course, they're, they're kind of shit at it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> she does try for what it's worth. And, and you know, I think that's that's kind of fascinating. I'm I always enjoy in a horror movie when a person's particular like subjective subconscious is explored because that's such a ripe uh that's such a ripe ground for for horror because the individual things that frighten people the individual things that they can't face the individual things that they have to face um you know are always really fascinating um and lead to a, a very personalized experience um I don't know. I always like that. And I, I think this movie does a little bit of that. <laughs> I think it could do a lot more. Um, yeah. But... Uh, something I would have liked to have seen is the, the dream sequences to have been more more personalized. Yeah. Because they're all just kind of samey. They, right. That's the thing. I honestly would love for them to feel more like dream logic. Like with like you appear in a place and you don't know how you got there, but you also kind of don't really care. You're just like, well, I'm here now. You see someone and they're not really acting normally, but you just kind of roll with it. You know, you start running, but you're too slow. You start falling, but then you are okay. Like things like that. I don't know. Just like the weird, just really lean into the weird shit that happens in dreams. Like would be so cool. I think, and honestly could make it a lot scarier. And, and, 
it's also, you know, it does get into the concept of lucid dreaming a little bit where like if you are conscious of the fact that you're dreaming, then you can begin to do something about it, which is an interesting concept of itself. Um, I don't know. This just, uh, like, it also, if anything, this makes me just more mad at the remake because I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to remake this, then you might as well, like, do more with these concepts. But it, Nope. Those aren't We're just going to take these same concepts and just but, like, make them edgy edgier. Scary. <laughs> it's not funny anymore, man. It's just dark. Uh, everything's so grim. I know. Uh, it's like, sure. That's the that's the angle we're going for. Uh, speaking about uh, speaking of making weird noises with your tongue sticking out, uh, the bit I hate the most in this movie that doesn't make sense is when he turns Nancy's phone into his mouth. How? How? I don't know, dude. I don't. How? That was that wasn't in a dream, was it? No. Was it? I don't uh, know. I mean, again, the whole the whole last third of the movie is very know. unclear what's what's yeah. fake and real, um, which I suppose is the point, but it doesn't pay off in any like no. actually satisfying way. Yeah, but. that's the thing. Like, it almost does. Like that sequence at the end where she sees her mom die, but then realizes it's a dream and then she's like wait this is a dream and i can control what's happening that's kind of cool but it's not clear what happens with that obviously yeah, he disappears and then everyone's back alive but then that's also a dream and god i hate the phone thing and i hate the minute that the uh the i don't know is it called an awning on a convertible i don't know cars uh, well, the, the hood? Oh, no, the top. When, the top down. When the top of when the top of the convertible closes and it's the stripes, it's just like, oh come on, come on, dude. It's 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 a it's Looney Tunes, yeah. I, as we like to say on this podcast, it's some Looney Tunes bullshit. Um, <laughs> which it's, I think, yeah, that's another thing. Well, we've kind of already touched on it, but that that frustrates me about this movie is that it's such a weird combination of like zany and pervy and like wacky and 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 like just like cartoonish gore and shit but also it's like super spooky and it's getting into the 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 subconscious and it's psychological and stuff and it's like i'm not saying that it can't be both of those things it's just that i don't know if it's always good at being both of those yeah things. yeah it, <sighs> <laughs> it's it's a movie for sure like, I, I'm sitting here and I'm rolling my eyes, acting like I'm not gonna watch this again the minute someone's like, "Hey, you want to watch Nightmare?" I'll be like, no, "Yeah, I'll watch definitely, <laughs> I'll definitely watch it again." I, I think, I think it, it at least does not commit the Halloween sin of being boring. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's not boring. It's it's interesting. I mean, like you know, once the concept is introduced, you're like, okay, well, how's this gonna play out? Um. I don't know, like that's fascinating to me for sure. I I just I love a horror movie with like fantastical elements mm-hmm. that like in more than horror that is based on stuff that can actually happen, which I don't really care for because <laughs> yeah. it scares me on a way that's not fun. Um, mm-hmm. But I I love horror that's like what if this thing could happen? Like <laughs> that's fun to me because it's like I don't know because I guess because I'm a fan of like fantasy and like 
some some kinds of sci-fi you yeah. know like the it's fun to me for that reason because it's like playing with the boundaries of reality and like being like well this isn't a thing but what if it was you know <laughs> like that kind of thing which this movie <laughs> does that which i i like that yeah yeah it, it's kind of it's kind of a mix it's kinda, yeah it's a it's the first supernatural supernatural slasher that i can think of yeah there that's true i mean there's not that many of those i mean are there i don't know like technically technically friday the 13th is but like that it's only supernatural because jason literally can't die other than that nothing else really fantastical I mean, it kind of sounds like Michael Myers can't really die either, but maybe it's more just like he never does die, as opposed to he never can die. Um, (laughs) But as far as, like, it's a slasher movie where the slasher can only attack you via supernatural means. Mm. Um, Which is fascinating. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen it, but could, like, Candyman fall into that category a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Actually watch that. I'm excited for that remake. Dude, Jordan me too. Peele. The um, teaser was really cool. Uh, and you know, watch that. you know, now that I said that, I have to I have to walk it back a little bit. Um, <laughs> because, like, there's supernatural elements Friday the 13th. There's supernatural elements in the fucking Chucky movies. Because um, it's a fucking doll possessed yeah. by the spirit of a murderer. <laughs> God, yeah. that's a so uh, so actually there is a weird intersection between like the supernatural and slasher movies um i guess because <laughs> i don't know maybe for it to really count as a slasher like with a capital s it can't just be a guy i don't know like <laughs> Like, it, it can't just be a guy chasing people around and killing... I mean, like, I guess it could, but maybe that wouldn't have the same staying power yeah, culturally. Uh, because then you get into, like, it's just a very violent murder mystery. Right. Though. And, I mean, I know those exist. Like, that's definitely a thing. But uh, I don't think they quite get to the the popularity. Maybe because they're not as fun. They're just kind of like... Yeah, oh, I, oh. I guess it works that it's a, like, unknowable, unstoppable... Force yeah. coming at you, and the only way to beat it is with the power of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Barbie colon a uh, nightmare on Barbie Street. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of those Barbie movies from the two thousands, but she's facing off against Freddy in the dream world. Ah, uh, um, that'd be fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's a good point. Um. Hmm. I'm gonna think about that a little more. I, I I think that's true though. Like to be a slasher, like I said, in like a slasher TM, it it has to have a little more of the monstrous quality to it. Yeah. Where it's it's not just something that you know could totally just happen. Like because mm-hmm. then it gets into like it's just kind of depressing. Like, you know, (laughs) if, for instance, you're watching a guy, like, stalk and murder, like, his ex-girlfriend, like, okay, well, that's just a thing that happens, (laughs) so I don't know. But there are movies like that, and there there should always be space for movies like that that reflect our reality, Um, but it's, (laughs) I think that would get a little more out of slasher territory, because it kind of takes away the sort of fun like what the fuck element maybe right 
I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, that, interesting. Inter- I can't believe I've never thought of this before. Yeah. But, huh, huh. I mean, yeah. In this paper, I... <laughs> <laughs> in this essay on the slasher subgenre, I will. Yeah, Um. I think, no, that that's a really good point, and I haven't thought about it much because I've never really been that into these kinds of movies. Yeah. But, um... But I think it ultimately all does play into kind of that, the concept of horror, and I guess maybe it's why a lot of more realistic horror movies don't get called horror movies, like Silence of the Lambs or whatever. People are like, oh, is it really a horror movie? You know, that kind of thing. Because it's maybe like, maybe kind of subconsciously we think of like horror has to involve some element of the supernatural and i don't just mean like the supernatural as in literal ghosts and aliens but like yeah horror has to involve something of the the unusual and the otherworldly because if it's something that we can see in our world then it's just i don't know it's just real man yeah in a bad it's real way. and terrifying yeah like horror i think has to has to have a connotation of kind of maybe a little bit of fun and zaniness in a really terrible way but especially if you're gonna have this like this high of a body count and it be this gory it needs to be offset with yes it needs to be offset with well but he can only get you in your dreams or something like that (laughs) so sure but yeah Uh, i think that's a good point as much as i hate it I think sitting here talking about it, I have talked myself into watching this entire fucking franchise. <laughs> oh no! What have we done? <laughs> oh god! You know what? That's fine. You let me know how it goes. <laughs> I'm a, I am a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I, I, yeah. Uh, well, you report back. You tell me how how they are. Because, um, like I said, I I love the concept. I just don't know how well it's going to be implemented. And I know they just get, like, campier and campier yeah, and campier as they go. And this one's already <laughs> a little bit campy. So, uh, uh, oh my god. Well, Any closing thoughts on, uh, on these two <sighs> slasher classics? Gosh, um... They did make me want to watch some other slashers, but from like a research standpoint. Yeah, as, as a, as a uh, student of film. Yeah, as a student of film. Um, yeah, I, it's, I still, I don't think I like the genre anymore, but I think I understand it more. And yeah. I think understanding breeds at least appreciation. Um, I definitely see why people are into this. And I would like to see more just to, to understand it a little bit more. Um, of course, uh, you know, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street is a little bit of a crossover be- with what I like, which which is supernatural, kind of like conceptual horror, that kind of thing. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, like that... I, I don't know. I'd be interested to see more stuff that falls into that category, and I, I guess I'm gonna watch what I was mistaking this for earlier, Friday the Thirteenth. Um, I kind of want to see that, but also that to me seems the most just like stalking people around and murdering them out of the three franchises. So uh, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Maybe we'll see. 
<laughs> also seems like the goriest from what I've seen, which is not that much, but... Uh, I say give... If for some reason you listen to this episode and haven't watched these two movies, um, give the first entry in all of these like yeah. goofy uh, horror franchises a go. Um, if nothing else, just so you can somewhat like see where these Titanic horror franchises know, uh, came huge, from, um, to at least give you some context, so you're not just wandering around the ghost of. What used to be a mall and seeing the lone Spencers and being like, why is there so many Jason things in here? Dude, that's already, <laughs> you've, you've already got such a great aesthetic going on for. <laughs> why is this store nothing but dildos in 80s horror? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wes Craven would love it. Uh, yes. No, I, I agree. Um, oh, Scream. That's another one that I want to watch. That's on my. My my HBO Max list. That I need yes, to watch. Uh, that's also Wes Scream, Craven. Right? Uh, Scream, another Wes Craven joint, oh. and is made to make fun of. Yeah, it's meta. The that genre. that I really want to. I am really interested in that. I I love some meta, and I well, love. It's interesting. It, it Scream is a movie, parodying a franchise, like parodying a genre, that is already so full of like, camp. Yeah. That, like, it feels like you're making a joke on a joke. It's a meta joke. And I've never... Scream is, like, the one big horror franchise that I've not seen any of the entries for. So I, I would definitely be interested in watching it as well. Yeah. No, I definitely need... Yeah, I need to watch it. Especially since it's... It's what's Craven, right? Like, he's behind that? Yeah. So he's, like, parodying himself, kind of. like right. which is Which is also really fascinating. Yeah, which he apparently likes to do, considering what I told you about the seventh yes movie. Yeah. Hey, my man's definitely got an idea for for the meta you know good for him good for him um yeah so i i'll i'll probably be watching that pretty soon um yeah well i i think we all we learned a lot had some laughs <laughs> good time understand slashers more now maybe uh yeah we, we learned to laugh we learned to love <laughs> we learned to not dream about guys who's who have knife gloves and who spend uh, and the entire cr- opening credit sequence just building the gloves. It's like, why are we watching this? <laughs> we just are. I don't know. No idea when he and, decided to make them, but he just did. And the most important uh, thing we learned is that if a giant man in a mask is coming into your house to murder you and you get him on the ground, don't stop. Stabbing. Yes, just keep stabbing. Just do the, you know how they say, like, to, if you're doing, like, chest compressions for someone, like, for CPR, to do it to, like, staying alive, like, do it mm-hmm. with that, like, speed, do the stabbing to that. It's like, stab, 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 staying alive, staying alive, like, because <laughs> you're staying alive. But make alive. sure you're saying, I'm staying alive. Yeah, exactly. So it's not too ironic. Right. <laughs> you're not staying alive, but I am, and that's what's important. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad we can impart this wisdom to you guys. All right. Well, we will catch you next week for some more morbid May. Ooh. Oh, um, yeah. Um, you can find me on social media. <laughs> Almost forgot. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and on Letterboxd at Ray's Left Boob. 
You can find me on most social media at Blaming on Butler, and you can find this show on Twitter at Sounds Familiar. All right. Give us a like, guys. Give us a follow. Like, retweet, subscribe. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever you can do that is a positive interaction on your choice of social platform or podcast service. Be nice please to us, do please. it. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Love ya. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to check the episode description for any links we may have included related to this week's episode. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at Sounds Familiar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at soundsfamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to tune in every Thursday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.